Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Wednesday, September 21st, and let me just go ahead and apologize. Um, I don't know what's going on with Facebook, and I don't know how this production, uh, this daily devotional, is going to turn out. Um, it's 7.01 a.m. I'm here in Woodruff, South Carolina. I had to come down Monday for some important meetings, and yesterday when I tried to get on Facebook, well... Uh, I could get on Facebook, but I posted a screenshot or a picture of what was going on there, and I just could not um, open up the webcam. I tried again today. It doesn't recognize the webcam, so I am using my telephone. And again, I don't know how it's going to work, but we will see. And uh, if for some reason it doesn't work, feel free to just turn me off there, and I will just go on blissfully unaware and uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. But I appreciate you cooperating with things. You know, for some reason, Facebook just changes things randomly. I don't know why. Um, I guess they have to update things. I don't know. Maybe people's jobs seem to be justified. I don't understand why they change things so much. And I know that makes me sound really, really old. But I cannot help it. Nevertheless... It's all good. And thank you, Monica. I, I can actually see some comments. But nevertheless, um, oh, my goodness. There are people that I can bring on to the video. I can add guests. Maybe that's what's going on. Um, so don't worry. I'm not going to click on anybody so that your webcam will come on or anything like that. I, I can't do that. You would have to give it permission. But uh Anyway, and plus Kyle might want to join at some point and then you just never know what would happen. But <clears throat> anyway, happy to be back with y'all this morning. Um, where we find ourselves is in John chapter 10. Okay, we have been making our way through, and I think in the description I wrote John chapter 11. Shouldn't have done that. It's in John chapter 10 where we come to more of Jesus's I am statements. The last I am statement that we just came to was in verse 7, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through the gate will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now that's where we left off the last time that we were together, which would have been Thursday of last week. We talked about this. We talked about what it means that Jesus is the gate. Primarily, you have the I am thing going on, right? Where Jesus evokes the name of God. And if you're wondering about that, go back and watch some of our other devotionals. Go back and read Exodus chapter three. Um, but Jesus evokes the name of God here, applying it to himself. So definitely there is a claim of divinity on Jesus's part, but also this shows the exclusivity of Jesus's claims. Exclusivity, the root word being exclusive. In other words, he's the only means of salvation. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what we really need to see here that Jesus is stressing, especially as we come to this next I am statement, because he's shifting the focus away from the means of salvation to what it means to belong to him and what it means for him to function as the shepherd of his sheep. 
but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's pray and then we will dig in. Our Father, what a blessing it is to have this time together. And um, I pray that uh, technology would cooperate and I'd be able to figure out what's going on so that I'm not having to use my phone to do this, but, but it's all good. Um, I'm grateful for the ability. I'm grateful for, again, the technology to even do this sort of thing. And so I pray that you would preserve and protect it. Now, as we go to your word, I pray that you would preserve and protect us. Protect us from our biases. Protect us from our preconceived notions. Protect us from the influence of the world around us that would call your word a lie. They may not say it in such few words, but they would certainly discredit and discount and deny what Jesus, what we've already read, that Jesus is the only means of salvation. The world doesn't believe that. And they don't want us to believe it. So help us, preserve and protect us from what the world is placing on us, all around us. And instead, help us to trust you. Help us to simply take you at your word. So now, Father, by your spirit, please guide us. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're picking up in John chapter 10, verse 11. It's after Jesus has called himself the gate for the sheep. We find in John 10, verse 11, that Jesus says, I am, again, invoking the name of God, I am the good shepherd. Now, what does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? He continues, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he makes this comment. The hired hand, and I'll, I'll comment on that terminology. The hired hand is not the sheep who, or is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, let's pause right there for just a moment. We're gonna unpack what we've just read, okay? But realize this, when we're asking the question, what does it mean that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd? What's the very first aspect of being a shepherd that Jesus goes to? You know, again, John 11, excuse me, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. And the very first thing that Jesus says about how he is the good shepherd is that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. By the way, he's going to do that several more times. We just read again in verse 14 about how the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We're also going to read it again in verse 17 and verse 18, four times. After calling himself the good shepherd, four times, Jesus reveals what it means that he's the good shepherd by talking about the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep. But he lays it down in two ways. The first way is seen in what we've just read. And that is when danger comes, he steps in. 
Y'all, again, we need to look at the terminology of shepherd and sheep, and we need to try to grasp what was really going on in first century Judea, first century Palestine. Shepherds um, did not have the best reputation. In fact, it's it's fascinating, and this I, I don't want to get too deeply into this, but by the time that Jesus came around, shepherds were not even allowed um, to, to have sheep in certain parts of Judea. So as a result, they really had to go to the wilds, right? To the real wilderness area. And so when this talks about the wolf coming and that sort of thing, you need to look at it in terms of a high danger situation. And when the wolf came for the sheep, it was either the wolf or the shepherd. That's how it worked, all right? The shepherd who actually knows his sheep and loves his sheep, that is. Because the first thing that Jesus does is he talks about how the shepherd protects the sheep from danger, right? And then he starts into this business about how the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. It's kind of like the paradigm that he started with last week, right? When Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep, immediately what he went to, as soon as he said he was the gate for the sheep, is immediately Jesus went to all these others who claim to be part of the flock or who claim to be a shepherd, but they don't enter by the gate. And he says their testimony is invalid. He says that they're actually thieves. The only one that comes into the pen without entering through the gate is there to kill and to steal and destroy. Same paradigm going on here. As soon as he says that he's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep, he starts talking about this hypothetical individual. The terminology in the 1984 NIV, which is what I'm reading from, is the hired hand. I love the King James better because there's an air of derision involved in the King James because it uses the term hireling, right? It's this, you know, this little pithy term there. Um, it says that the hireling, is not the shepherd. In other words, he's just there to clock in and clock out. And he doesn't love the sheep. When he sees the wolf, and this is paradigm exists of it's either the wolf or the shepherd, well, it's the wolf because he takes off. The hireling is not invested in the flock because he doesn't really know the sheep. He doesn't really love the sheep. He's just there for the paycheck. And y'all, that's the first paradigm of Jesus being the good shepherd. Realize that Jesus did what he did as our shepherd and is doing what he's doing as our shepherd. Namely, Jesus came, took on flesh, made his dwelling among us, sacrificed himself for us, and oh, along the way, fulfilled God's law perfectly for us. Jesus did that then. And right now, Jesus maintains and sustains us. As we know from Romans, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf, Christian. That means that Jesus is praying for you right now. If anybody ever asks, what is Jesus doing right now? Well, we know. We know from Romans that he is seated at God's right hand, interceding on our behalf, saying, that one belongs to me. Going, on our, going to God on our behalf, right? He is our representative. He sends his Holy Spirit now to empower us and to enable us and to gift us. All of these different things. Jesus did what he did then. He's doing what he does right now because he loves you. That's it. 
That's why, again, he launches into this idea of the hireling who doesn't really love the sheep and therefore isn't going <laughs> to, he's not going to sacrifice himself for the sheep. You got to be kidding me, right? No, 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 no. Jesus sets himself up against the hireling and he says, I do what I do because the hired hand, he doesn't own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons him and runs away. The wolf attacks, scatters the flock. The man runs away because he's a hireling. He doesn't care for the sheep. Y'all, as a result, what Jesus is saying is, I stick around and I take on the wolf because I do care for the sheep. He, he betrays a certain level of investment in the sheep. And doesn't that make sense? Think about what Jesus had to do to be the good shepherd. Think about what he endured all for the sake of being the shepherd over us, his flock. Y'all, it's unbelievable what Jesus did. And yet he did it and would do it again. And it's unbelievable what Jesus does now, especially as I think about my own sinfulness, my own selfishness, where instead of doing what the shepherd calls me to do, I want to wander off and do my own thing. And then he has to come and get me. And yeah. The love of Jesus Christ is so spectacular and beautiful that of all the ways to describe it, this is really one of the best. As a shepherd who is responsible for a sheep, as a shepherd that when danger comes, he's the one that drives it away. And he does all of this out of love. And if you doubt that, Consider how the chapter goes on in verse 14. Again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Twice now he says, I am the good shepherd. And then the next component that he talks about when describing what the good shepherd is, who the good shepherd is, he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. There's a relationship aspect to Jesus being the good shepherd. This is not about ownership, okay? This is not about simply being a possession. This is about a real relationship with Jesus Christ. He's describing what it is to know and love him and follow him. Verse 15, he says, I'm the, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, that is important, what Jesus has just said. He's revealed what the extent of this relationship really is. And he's describing his relationship with the Father as what our relationship with him should be like. Do you get that? You know, of all the ways to describe Jesus' relationship with God the Father, um, really there's only one word that accurately comes, or that comes to mind that would be a really accurate description, and that is union. When we think about Jesus' relationship to the Father, we have to think about terms, think about it in terms of union, of Jesus, God the Son, being united with God the Father. Y'all, it is our union in Christ that is our Christianity. So much so that if you don't have union with Christ, you don't have him at all. You are either united to Christ, with Christ, or you're woefully separated from him. You see, y'all, what Jesus is doing here, 
And not only revealing himself as the good shepherd, he does away with this concept of nominal Christianity. He does away with any misgivings we might have about how being a Christian is simply about believing something in our head that, that something happened once upon a time. Had conversations with people, right? Um, and very sadly, I've had conversations a lot of times with parents of adult children, and those adult children have wandered from the faith, right? They're not involved in any church. Um, foreseeably, they're not going to be. They don't have any interest in the things of Christ, right? Um, sometimes they espouse lifestyles. Sometimes they make choices that, in fact, go directly against God's word. And sometimes I have conversations with parents and they're mystified and they say, I just don't know what's going on. I know that they believe in Jesus. Y'all, simply believing that Jesus exists, come on. You know, it's like as was said to the demon, well, well the demons believe that Jesus exists and they shudder. Believing that something actually happened in time and space does not imply a relationship. It does not imply ongoing trust, you see. That's the issue. That's what's missing for so many people. In youth group right now, that's what we're focusing on this fall semester of the new school year. What does it mean to really know Jesus? As opposed to this nominal idea floating out there that you can identify as a follower of Christ. Y'all, this that whole business, and this is a side note, the whole idea of identifying as something, right? Y'all, what you do is who you are. And I say that with a heavy heart, okay? Uh, because I know there are so many things I need to work on, but what you do is who you are, not what you think you are. What you do is who you are. That applies to Christianity. You know, there's a reason why when Jesus... Uh, uses the parable of the sheep and the goats, right? And uses other parables. He talks about those that are crying out to him on the last day, Lord, Lord. And you remember what he'll say? It's the scariest words in the Bible. He'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. When Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, right? And his sheep knowing him as he knows the Father, union, being united with Christ, is the only thing that ultimately this is talking about here. Now, we're going to stop there for the day because after this, he's going to talk about sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I've got to bring them in. We're going to get to all that stuff tomorrow. But for the sake of today, do you realize, number one, what Jesus does for you? Really? Really think about it. We'll talk more about the wolves tomorrow, and we'll talk more about the hireling as well. But do you realize what Jesus has done for you? Number two, do you really know him? Not about him. Do you know him? All right. Number three, in knowing him, do you seek union with him? Are you listening for him? And no, this is not some existential thing here that I'm talking about, not audibly listening for the voice of God. You want to hear God's voice? You want to hear Jesus' voice? Right here, my friends. Open up the Bible and read it, okay? But it's that relationship aspect that is so very important that it defines who Jesus is, why Jesus did what he did, why Jesus is doing what he's doing. Do you really know him? Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. And again, I thank you for the technology to do this, albeit in a different format. And I pray that you would guide us in light of what we have read, recognizing what Jesus has done. Sometimes it just becomes perfunctory. Or sometimes it just becomes commonplace, but yet your son sacrificed himself for us. Not to even mention the fact that he lived the perfect life. and It's all because of his love. In turn, Father, help us to love you, to love him, and to function in light of our unity with you. Oh, Father, you've blessed us in so many ways. Give us grateful hearts, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning. I'm going to be uh, leaving in just a few minutes here, and I'll be back in Virginia by tonight. Um, but tomorrow morning, hopefully my computer will work. If not, maybe I'll get out the same camera that I use on Sunday morning. I don't know. We'll make it work one way or another, and maybe I'll be on my phone. But I appreciate your patience. And again, I'm sorry about this week. Anyway, things happen. But Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday.